Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Today on the Indo-Daily, from a pint of plain to a single of chips, how food prices are set to soar further as we head into a war economy. We've been talking about rising food and energy costs for over 12 months now. First it was Brexit, then a cargo ship clogging up the Suez Canal, then an inflation hit, and now... President of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde, has said the war in Ukraine will lower economic growth in Europe and fuel higher inflation. Ireland's largest solid fuel suppliers has announced it's to increase the price of a bag of coal by seven euro in the coming weeks. Let's go back to that announcement from Board Gosh Energy of increases in average electricity bills of 27%. Far from the war-torn streets of Ukraine, the shockwaves from Russia's deadly incursion are being felt around the world. And it's now impacting on global food and energy markets, which means we as consumers are heading for even more price increases on everything from bread to beer to a packet of pasta. I'm Siobhan Maguire, and just days after Taoiseach Micheál Martin said we are heading in the direction of a war economy, we want to look at the impact the Ukraine invasion is having on food prices and indeed shortages. And you know what? Why can't we just grow our own food? Joining me today are the Irish Independence Farming Editor, Margaret Donnelly, and TU Dublin Lecturer in Retail Management, Damien O'Reilly. Prices are growing at such a rate that people expect you to stretch yourself, to stretch our European partners, and to act in what is a crisis situation. Just horrendous. You have to think now before you go anywhere and long-distance driving is out. It ripples right through the system if the fuel is going to be more and more expensive. Of course it is not nice, (laughs) but um, uh, in order to hit Putin, I think we have to do it. Putin. The government cannot uh, fix the price at the pumps or set a cap. Uh, That would create uh, enormous difficulties and uncertainties and probably result in the closures of businesses and would put at risk a stable supply into Ireland. Folks, I'm delighted you're joining me here today. Margaret, I want to go to you first. The price of basic food items in Ireland is set to soar. Now, not least because so much of our ingredients are imported. So can we feed ourselves if we have to? Absolutely, Siobhan. There's no doubt and there should be no fear among consumers. I know the price of food is rising at the moment and it is causing concerns for consumers because they're being hit, you know, with fuel prices, diesel and petrol is going up, food is going up. But Ireland really produces a lot of food. We're the 10th largest, you know, 
exporter of dairy in the world. We export 90% of the beef that we produce. So staples like that, no problem at all. Certainly there's certain areas where we're reliant on imports, as you say, for ingredients, feed ingredients for animals and the like. But no concerns about a famine anytime soon. Our export, agri-food export industry is worth over 13 billion a year. So we're quite self-sufficient in a lot of things. Damien, the whole issue surrounding food inflation and what's going to happen, can can you give me an indication? Well, I think there's two aspects to this. Um, retail uh, uh, inflation is up, you know, 5.6%. And uh, if you take the food inflation in that, it's 2.9% in January with the latest CPI figures that came out last week. Now, this is... Uh, yeah, these were done prior to the, the war starting in, in Ukraine. So w- there's an issue there with uh, price rises anyway uh, in the world economy. So um, input costs have gone up significantly, labour costs have gone up significantly, transportation has gone up significantly, energy costs have gone up significantly. So prior to the war, these costs were going up. And, you know, I, I'm just from talking to retailers, uh, major retailers here in, in Ireland, is that um, uh, the, the the major suppliers are putting their prices up significantly over the coming months. And this was done prior to the, 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 the war. There's going to be uh, probably food inflation of about, instead of 2.9%, maybe uh, 4 to 5% in the coming months because of the price increases that were built in for uh, pre-Christmas and uh, just early January. Now, this is going to be exacerbated by what's actually happened in Ukraine. And it's very hard to tell what will happen. 40% of the world's calories come from that Ukraine-Russian wheat uh, that's yeah. produced there. And that is going to have a significant effect on the price increases, you know, in certain items, the likes of uh, pasta. They're, they're looking at maybe doubling the price of pasta. And partially because other supply sources like Canada, which produces a lot of Durham wheat, they had uh, uh, droughts last summer and they had uh, heat waves, which, you know, uh, decimated the crop. So basically looking for another source is not quite that easy. Uh, so therefore you're going to see the likes of bread, the likes of pasta, you know, our, our bread, the flour for our bread comes from the UK. Mm. It, it has a tax from Brexit on it as well from that. So potatoes are going to go up in price, milk's going up in price, beer is going to go up probably 15 to 20% in price because of this as well. So um, as Margaret said, you know, we won't be going back to the days of the, well, let's not say a famine, but um, let's say, you know, of austerity. But I mean, certain prices are going to go up and, you know, people are going to start consuming different types of products. Yeah. And, you know, and we're in the grips of a a cost of living crisis at the moment. I mean, people going to their supermarkets now are already feeling um, that price hike across everyday items. But and I, you know, it might sound like we're kind of scaremongering a wee bit when we talk about um, your everyday uh, foodstuffs, the likes of the bag of chips being affected in terms of price. But that is what's going to happen, Damien, isn't it? Because look at look at the price of sunflower oil that's likely to go up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one major retailer here in Ireland is buying as much um, oil as they can at the moment to, to, to create uh, uh, their own stockpile, um, uh, you know, because of what's actually happened. Um, and they've done that two weeks ago. Um, you know, when the war was starting. And then you've got to say, what vital supplies can we get? Now, what's happened to the stock supplies that we've had in grain, that we usually keep excess stocks, you know, in case of emergencies, but these dwindled over the last number of years. And that means that we don't have any kind of, uh, you know, uh, supplies that we can, that we, reserves that we can uh, build 
build on uh, or, or use at the moment. And finding alternative sources, like Australia had a bumper crop, but I mean, you know, diverting ships, which take a long time and large tankers uh, um, or seagoing ships, they take a long time just to to to, to get that supply chain back back in action. So going to Australia is is a long way, and those ships are going to take eight ten weeks to get there, and eight or ten weeks to get back. So there's no immediate solution to these, and we can't just divert sources here. Um, you know, I would suggest probably that we need to be doing more tillage here, but I think Margaret may talk a little bit on that but uh, you know like I feel that we should be growing potatoes in our own back garden for for example. I completely agree with Damien on all of this. I think what's happening at the moment there's two things. Our supply chains are becoming very apparent that they're very complicated supply chains. You know you talk about importing you know we import a lot of grain from Ukraine. We could grow that grain here however the word value needs to be discussed here and the value we place on food as consumers. And I stopped on the way here just to check a couple of prices and you can buy a bag of carrots in the supermarket down the road, one kg of carrots for 99 cent. Mm -hmm. Yet we have no problem of paying, you know, 350 or so for a coffee. What value do we place in our food? Compared to our European neighbours, we actually spend a very small amount of our household income on our food. And our food should be the most important thing that we do. And what has happened is the cost of food has been driven down. Driven down by consumers, I would say driven down by retailers, being able to say... Driven we'll, down by the discounters for by the last the 20 years. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. say we have the cheapest food, come in and spend the least money with us. Mm -hmm. Ukraine has announced a ban on grain exports, which is set to exacerbate disruption in food markets. Here, bakers are warning that price rises are, price rises are on the way, as the bulk of baking flour we use is imported. The move comes as farmers warn that the two cent cut in excise on the cost of agricultural diesel. The knock-on effect of that is uh, then in farming. We've had a huge amount of change in farming because farmers need to make an income. So a lot of them have moved towards dairy, which has been very profitable since we got rid of milk quotas a number of years ago. And they've gone away from sectors like tillage because they could not make a living from it. Mm -hmm. They've also gone away from the horticulture sector. A number of years ago, we had about 18 commercial broccoli growers. We only have six now. There's only two farmers who farm scallions in this country. Because the margins aren't there. So to make a margin, you have to go big scale. Yeah. And then, you know, you're reliant on the weather, especially if in the likes of tillage. And Damien rightly so, we should be growing more tillage. But we as a society haven't supported our farmers who grow tillage because we now import all our flour. Why? Because it's cheaper. Mm. As simple as that. So the yeah. value we place on food really has to be questioned here as consumers. And I guess, you know, from the consumer's perspective, I mean, getting the best price, the, the best value for money, that's kind of the, the aim of the game when you go into a supermarket to do a shop. But I mean, is it time for us as individuals to be more cognizant of where our food is actually coming from? Totally. And we have no idea, I feel, as consumers around seasonality. If I go into a supermarket, I expect to be able to buy avocados. I expect to be able to buy strawberries year round. And I expect to be able to buy them cheaply. But the cost of that is borne by somebody, either the farmer or further down the supply chain. Where did those avocados come from? You know, have we any issue with how little somebody was paid to farm them? Or do we just want an avocado for 99 cents? And when we talk about, you know, Damien, you said we should be growing our own food. We should all be growing potatoes, even if you have the tiniest little bit of, of uh, land next to your, your, your house or your apartment. Um, and that's great. And 
We see this every so often. We get these spurts of interest in Grow Your Own during the recession years, you know. Um, we, ha- we had this, this huge um, spate of people wanting their own allotment because it was the cool thing to do. But it should become common practice. I mean, is it potentially something we should be teaching kids in schools? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, yeah, of course we should, you know, and as, as Margaret's saying, he says the value of food, I, I don't think we realise, you know, how cheaply that we've been getting food and that mm. over the last, I know people are complaining about price inflation here and most of it's not with food, most of it's with energy costs and transportation costs and healthcare at the moment. Uh, but, you know, food is going to be, food inflation is going to happen over the next uh, six six months, maybe over the next year. And we're going to have to deal with that. And one of the ways, obviously, then is to grow your own. You know, like um, I grew uh, potatoes last year for the first time, um, just uh, and I had a, not a bumper crop, but I mean, enough to keep us fed for three or four weeks anyway and in potatoes. Um, so, yeah, I think we should be moving towards more self-sufficiency. But I think, you know, we, we all talk about, I've been talking about during COVID is that localization by local, you know, you couldn't move more than two miles or two kilometers outside of your area for a period of time. So everyone was shopping local. Uh, but we failed to realize, uh, as Margaret said, is that a lot of the produce that we think we grow were, you know, uh, an arable country that we think we're growing lots of these carrots and broccolis and so on, but we're not. Yeah. So look for the source. To buy Irish is going to cost you a little bit more. Farmers markets are a great source uh, for, for buying local produce. Um, you know, and we tried to buy local produce. But I mean, what's going to happen in the in the coming months is there's going to be, you know, increases in price because of the war, because, you know, there's three things happening. There's the struck disruption from Ukraine of the current and in Russia, the current uh, uh, pro- uh, produce that's being produced there, that's being cultivated and, you know, that's not going to get shipped out because ports are closed. And then the second one then is, you know, next year they're not planting at the moment because they're fighting. So, um, uh, you know, that, that there's their next year's crop is, is already gone. We're not going to have a crop next year or possibly the year after. And then the third one is that uh, we've got lower production in other countries is that other countries because of climate change and so on is that the production levels haven't been as high as they were previously so there's a world shortage of of grain in, in, in the world and as we said 40% of the calories consumed in the world come from there mm. and like some one of the big issues is going to be the Middle East um, you know Egypt for example uh, imports 70% of uh, uh, their pro- their wheat from uh, Russia and that's just not happening anymore so you're going to see kind of global crises uh, we're kind of you know, a little bit insulated here in, in, in the west of Europe. Uh, but some other areas are going to find, they're talking about having 800 million people uh, yeah, close to starvation in coming months because of the lack of uh, source of supplies for, from, from wheat. And I think, uh, Jamie, you make a very good point there, touching it. We're a very wealthy country at the end of the day and we can afford to pay and we can probably afford, we can afford to pay more for our food. But European policy in agriculture has been about producing a lot of food as cheaply as possible for the consumer. So the consumer now thinks food is cheap and I shouldn't be spending a lot or good money on food. But that has caused issues. And, you know, we fed into that supply chain then where we have to import a lot of ingredients for animal feed and the like or for fertilizer because we need to produce en masse or large volumes because it's a low margin industry. Mm But how do we how do we change our consumers' attitude to food and to put that value back on food? Yeah. Everybody or almost everybody listening to this show woke up this morning to a pay cut. 
And what's worse is you're going to wake up tomorrow morning to another pay cut and you're going to wake up the morning after to another pay cut again. And why? Because the cost of fuel is increasing at such a rate. The cost of oil... I guess from the perspective of the consumer, at the moment, anyone who has a a car uh, to fill is noticing the obscene prices at the petrol pumps. And um, and we've had scenarios in the last week of, you know, very obvious price gouging going on as well. You've seen images, all of us, across the country and across our constituencies uh, over the last 24 hours in particular, uh, showing um, large hikes uh, in the price of uh, diesel and petrol literally overnight in anticipation, in anticipation uh, of uh, tonight's uh, excise duty cuts. Now, cynical is the polite word that I would use to describe um, those um, practices. So if we take that example and put it in the supermarkets, plonk it right there, and and let's say that we have all these potential shortages and price hikes coming up um, in, in, in the next few months, what is going to happen from the consumer's perspective? Are people walking in and expecting to see empty shelves, for example? No, we're not looking at food shortages on shelves anytime soon. The main ingredients that we're importing from the likes of Ukraine go into their inputs. So it's mm. fertilizer or it's feed for animals. Yeah. Um, we did have concerns around Brexit over flour because it was going to rise in price. So we can still get it. 80% of our flour comes from the UK. We can still get it possibly costs a bit more. So we'll see price rises more so than empty shelves. Yeah. And maybe that's a wake-up call for consumers in terms of, you know, it's the same as you mentioned about fuel. It's costing a lot more to put diesel or petrol in our car. Maybe it should cost a bit more to fill our basket of food. But Damien, you're, if you're saying uh, one retailer is basically uh, buying out as much sunflower oil as, as they possibly can. Does that mean then other supermarkets won't have that product? So we'll have one option in terms of where we get and they can it can cost whatever they please. No, I, I think um, all the major retailers, just one that I spoke with, but I'm sure all the major retailers are looking to see where they can secure supplies and source supplies or mm. source alternatives. Um, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's not just one retailer who's kind of bought up all the, the world's stock of sunflower oil <laughs> <laughs> and then holding, holding it all to chips, ransom. Damien. But th- yeah, yeah. But one of the things like, you know, I think to, to build on what Margaret said is that, um, you know, one of the things that we can buy and we're going to have food and it's going to be, you know, maybe some areas of the shelves that uh, don't have food. But I, I think it would bring us back to the, the beasts from the east, if you remember that, uh, when we had the snow and how quickly uh, shelves in supermarkets empty because they're only keeping, like if you take the discounters, for example, Little and Aldi, um, they keep about two, three days stock. That's it. The shelves are gone. Um, uh, if you take the big supermarkets, you're talking four to five days uh, because they have a bigger range of products. Like the big supermarkets are carrying 15 to 20,000 products, whereas Little and Aldi are carrying around 1,800 products each. So they've got very kind of, uh, you know, very precise, very uh, lean supply chains. And you can see that if the supply chain isn't coming in, you know, with, within a matter of days, within weeks, you know, things just grind to a halt very quickly. So you can see that we will be out of certain products. But I think overall, like, we're not going to have um, uh, any, and you know, we're not going to have scarcity of food. That's the one thing. Mm. As Margaret said, we grow a lot of our own food. We have our own beef. We have our own poultry. We have our own, uh, uh, you know, lamb and uh, and. Uh, 
uh, pork. So a lot of that and the dairy produce as well and the horticulture. So we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be seeing food shortages, but we will see uh, hikes in prices, all right, in certain areas. But you mentioned two of those areas, actually, poultry and the pig sector, and they are the two sectors that are really taking a hit at the moment because they are, yeah. they're hugely reliant on inputs, that being energy and feed. And the feed and the fertilisers for, yeah. for, um, for agriculture as well. That's going to affect, you know, not just us here, but in Europe where they're growing a lot of the produce that we pick in, the vegetables that we buy in from the broccoli and the carrots and so on. So a lack of fertiliser, which is coming, a lot of it comes from the UK, sorry, the Ukraine and uh, from, the, from Russia. Mr WS Morrison is here to explain. Now that you're receiving your ration books, he tells you what you should do now and what you may have to do if the need should come. These little books may seem a bit complicated at first, but their purpose is quite simple. They mean that if, in the course of the war, we are short for a time of this or that article of food, rationing will give everyone, rich and poor alike, an equal share of all that's going. So when we talk about this idea of heading into a war economy, um, we're not likely to be heading back to times of ration books or anything like that, are we? No, I don't think so. I think, as Damien said, the variety on shelves may change and may reduce. We may not be able to get our favourite type of pasta or whatever it is, but there's not going to be a huge shortage on shelves. We're not going to be starving in this country. Luckily, we have a really great, resilient agri-food sector, but the price is probably going, the price is going to go up. The price is going to go up of food because the inputs to produce that food are going up at the moment. And we don't see any end in sight for that. Because fertilizer and energy are the two key things that we're importing. And both of them are going up because we're so dependent on Russia, Ukraine, the Baltic states for those. So and obviously with the war, huge issues then with supply and supply chain coming in. So I spoke to a fertilizer importer yesterday and a shipload of fertilizer they had paid for an order back in January was meant to come in in February. And it's now looking like April is the now date on it. So they haven't got it yet, even though it was ordered in January. So it's supply chains have been pushed out and severely disrupted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like. You may want to ask the question, like, you know, looking at what Margaret says, how do we deal with this? There is price inflation. A lot of people are, you know, on very low incomes, uh, struggling to to cope with the inflation. And the government have done some things with the the energy uh, that they've they've given the the subsidy on the energy. But you know, we can't as a as a country, we can't always deal with crises like this with interventions from the government and having fiscal policy from the government um, uh, to, to insulate the Irish economy. But what we need to do is, you know, to 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 look at those who are hardest hit by the blow to the spending part that they have and the decrease in that, and to to be able to make sure that they have sufficient. Uh, money, you know, because uh, a lot of us here in Ireland, because we've practically got full employment at the moment, is that people are earning more. Uh, but what's happening now with wage inflation is because price inflation has gone up, is that then you get this spiral of wage inflation. But I think the, the war has maybe dampened um, the enthusiasm for wage inflation because people are realising that, uh, you know, if we if we get into a spiral then, if you have wage inflation, then you've got food inflation and then food inflation leads to more wage inflation and you get that spiral. But we need to, to, to look carefully at, um, as Margaret said, how we eat, what we eat, the value we place on what we eat and the food that we get. You know, and we've been talking... Um, 
you know, recently about, you know, eating more healthily, uh, you know, eating more uh, plant-based uh, rather than meat-based substances. Uh, so, you know, this, this is on the agenda. Sustainability is on the agenda. Generation Z and the alpha generations are, you know, are pushing this agenda as well and they want to eat better. You know, so we've got to say there's a cost associated with that if you want to do it. My thanks there to Irish Independence Farming Editor Margaret Donnelly and TU Dublin Lecturer in Retail Management Damien O'Reilly. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was presented and produced by myself, researched by Neve Dunn, recorded by Gavin Hennessy with sound design by John Smith. And just before I mention our clips from today, I want to let you guys know that the Indo Daily will be flying the flag for independent.ie this coming Friday, the 18th of March, for the St. Patrick's Festival. Now, the festival quarter is at the National Museum of Ireland at Collins Barracks and we'll be recording a live podcast of the Indo Daily at 1pm in the Spiegel Tent Bjog at the festival. So do come in and join us if you can. Clips from independent.ie, RTE 61 and 9 o'clock news, RTE archives from 1989, RT1 news, British Pathé and News Talk. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, please like, follow or leave a review.